For as conservative as the Christian church has been uh, through centuries on so many social issues, historically it's been remarkably uh, on the forefront of adopting new communication technology. So one of the first uh, things that was printed on the printing press was the Bible. Radio, television, um, even the internet have all been used from the very beginning by enterprising individual Christians and congregations and denominations even. The ideal for the church uh, has been the same with each new method. Reach as many people as quickly as possible with the message about Jesus. Each new technological advance has improved on the principal methodology. Rather than one communicator or a group of communicators uh, being limited to face to face interaction, the idea is to have the technology take the communication, the communicator's message, to unlimited numbers of people simultaneously. Rather than trying to get the commuter to the whole world, get the message to the world. And this is the beauty of mass communication, whether it's church-based or not. Billions of people, literally billions of people around the world can potentially hear the voice of the same single human being at the exact same time. Or share images from some isolated event across vast distances simultaneously. The World Cup final being played in Luzhniki Stadium in Moscow in front of only 78,000 people in person, was watched by over a billion people live. At the same time, a billion people were seeing the same images. Technology is almost magic in its ability. It, it, to transmit clearly these identifiable sounds and pictures to almost anyone, anywhere, anytime on this planet. And a lot of that is transmitted invisibly through the air around us. And you just sort of almost literally capture it from the air. It's astonishing. This idea and image of mass communication might help us get a little closer, at least, to understanding the mystery that's at the heart of this morning's story from Luke. This story, otherwise known as the Ascension of Christ, tells of the last time the human body of Jesus was seen or his voice heard. But with the withdrawal of Jesus from the earth to his throne in heaven, the arrival of the Holy Spirit came. And with the arrival of the Holy Spirit on earth, all people everywhere 
are able to experience the presence and the power of Jesus at all times. I would have thought that the experience of this morning's story, of the event that happened, would have sent the followers of Jesus home sad. This is the last time that they're going to see him in person. They won't ever see him again or hear his voice audibly. Even the way Luke phrases it, the moment of departure sounds sad. He writes, while he was blessing them, he left them. I mean, it's just sounds sad and almost mean. He left them behind. That was a whole series, left behind. Some of them, maybe they thought that he, they would see him again. Maybe they didn't realize this was the last time. But I think that they knew because this time his departure was different. Most of the other appearances after the resurrection, he just sort of pops in, pops out. Like he'll, and just nothing really uh, particular marking the leaving. But this time was different. We hear that he lifted up his hands and blessed them. This is a a very distinct gesture on his part. And while he was blessing them, he left them. There's something final about this one. But rather than be sad, we hear that the disciples worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Jesus is leaving them, so why this joy? In part, they're rejoicing because they now know who he is, truly. They now know where he is going, and they know what that means for them and for the world. They know that Jesus is the Messiah, the Hebrew Messiah, in Greek, the Christ, in English, the Anointed One of God. Jesus is their Lord. Somehow, Jesus and God the Father are one, even though they are distinguishable. In verse 52, we hear, Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem, and they stayed continually at the temple praising God. Howard Marshall notes that this is the first time that Luke records anyone worshipping Jesus. Lots of worship of God and that Luke talks about, but he, this is the first time that he actually links worship with Jesus. And the disciples continued this worship in the temple of Jerusalem because the temple represented the, the earthly symbol of God's heavenly realm, the kingdom of God. The disciples understand now that Jesus is on the throne in the temple or in the kingdom of God. Jesus left them to take his role as Lord of heaven and earth. The disciples are joyful because Jesus's reign on the throne in the kingdom of heaven means at least two wonderful things for them and for the world. One, that the power of God is at work in their lives. Daryl Bach puts it this way. Jesus departs to continue his work 
from the right hand of God. This position of power. And Isaiah gave us an amazing vision of this power. He says, who is it that put the stars in the heavens other than me? You can't even understand the, the fathom, the power that I have and the understanding that I have. But to those who hope in the Lord, God will renew their strength. They will soar with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. That is the power that Jesus now works in people's lives. And because Jesus is now on his throne in the kingdom of God, that power is present for all people everywhere at all times. William Barclay explains that one stage was passed and another had begun. The day when our faith was in a flesh and blood person and when it depended on the presence of that person's flesh and blood were ended. Now they were linked to someone who was forever independent of space and time. That is a phenomenal concept to try to grasp in our heads, but that is the truth, that Jesus is now no longer bound by time or by space. And stating it even more positively, by pouring out his Holy Spirit on the earth, everyone everywhere at all times can experience the presence and the power of Jesus. Paul prays for what God wants all people to know in that New Testament passage that I read. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better, that you may know God better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which God has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, in God's incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like, and that's, I point this out, that actually I realized, I found out that the new NIV translation, they've redone it fairly recently, and they finally got it right. <clears throat> they changed it. I've been changing it for years now every time I use it, but it's in our pew Bible, so I always have to point it out. But it's a good point to point out. In the Pew Bibles, it reads, the power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ. In, lit in the Greek, it is literally the power, the same power with which he raised Jesus from the dead is at work in our lives. That is the absolute crucial point. It is the same power of resurrection from the dead. And now... Jesus is in heaven, the heavenly realms, far above all rule, authority, power, dominion. In this present age and in the one to come, God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is the, his body, the fullness of this same resurrected, powerful Christ. The withdrawal of Jesus from the earth to his throne in heaven 
led to the arrival of the Holy Spirit. And the arrival of the Holy Spirit on earth allows all people everywhere to experience the presence and the power of Jesus the Christ at all times simultaneously. I'm sure that many of us here have had that thought about how great it would have been to have been present in some particular historical moment. I mean, to be in the crowd when Martin Luther King Jr. gave his I Have a Dream speech and to hear that live and in person. Or we've had that uh, idea about how great it would be to meet in person some particular historical figure. Vincent van Gogh is one that I would love to hang out with. He probably wouldn't like to hang out with me. Uh, He wasn't very social, but I would love to hang out with him. We've probably had, at times, many of us, this same thought about Jesus. Wouldn't it have been great to be there in Galilee or in Jerusalem and actually see Jesus? Wouldn't it have been great to hear his voice, maybe even feel his touch? Because of the Holy Spirit, the reality of experiencing Jesus is different than any other human who ever lived. With every other historical figure, we have to rely on manuscripts or paintings or sculptures or uh, audio or visual video recordings to try to bring these historical figures, bring them to life of some sort. But with Jesus, the Spirit of God embraces us, fills us, fills our hearts and our minds and our spirits. In some sort of way beyond our words to capture, the Spirit speaks to us and touches us. The withdrawal of Jesus to, from earth to his throne in heaven led to the arrival of the Holy Spirit. And the arrival of the Holy Spirit on earth allows all people everywhere to experience the presence and the power of Jesus at all times. And that is true for each and every one of us here. I know that many of us here are having a difficult time these days trying to find peace in our hearts with all of the hurt and the meanness and the lies that we see and hear all around us or trying to find in our spirits in the face of troubles of such and find, trying to find hope in our spirits in the face of troubles that seem so immense and complex that we might never be able to solve them. But this morning's story from Scripture reminds us of a vital truth. The Lord, God of heaven and earth, is present with us and with others around the entire world. And that same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead to new and abundant life is at work in us. And I say this not to say that everything's going to be okay, just relax, God's got it under control, no need to worry. No, there's a lot of need to worry. This world is messed up. There is a lot that is broken. And we have a lot of hard work, grueling, lasting work to do. 
But we're not alone in that work. Jesus, that beautiful, wise, gracious, loving person is with us and unites us with all followers everywhere. And the power of resurrection from death is at work in our lives. Evil, destruction, death are not more powerful than justice, creation, and life. And we work on things in our lives, in our families, in our neighborhood, in our cities, in our states, in our country, in our world. We work on those things because Jesus rose from the dead and therefore no thing, no one is beyond hope. The withdrawal of Jesus from this earth to his throne in heaven led to the arrival of the Holy Spirit. And the arrival of the Holy Spirit on this earth allows all people everywhere to experience the presence and the power of Jesus at all times. Thanks be to God.